Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll check in with some local farmers and find out how seeding is coming along. Also, we'll chat once again with Neil Townsend with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. Up first in today's country comment, we're joined by Jim Wicketts with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The Western Canadian wheat growers have made a submission to the federal government regarding the recommended changes to the Canada Grain Act. Here's Director Jim Wickett. We've been working on it for the last year because, uh, as you know, uh, that Grain Act usually only uh, reviewed about every 40 years. So that's about, that's about one-time opportunity for farmers and uh, in a generation. So... Uh, the, one of the key points that we're looking at is the uh, outward weighing and inspection. Um, we, uh, we think that the Grain Commission should remain as a regulator, but not as a service provider. Uh, the industry right now, and there's a number of, quite a number of companies that uh, are in that business, uh, can provide the exact same service for one-third the cost. And uh, basically... That uh, service is being used to finance the entire operation, and in fact, they've uh, accumulated a hundred and thirty million dollar plus surplus. So, uh, you know, that's that's one of the key points that we have is that uh, move to a third party accredited by the Grain Commission, but uh, they need to get out of the uh, the game of providing the service. One of the other uh, points here was um, just to do with the uh, the governance model. Yeah, for sure. So where farmers are paying the bill, and, and it's our livelihood in that, and so we want to see uh, some changes there. Um, quite traditionally, it depends what government's in power, but that's a patronage post. Uh, it's a very expensive one. Uh, it's a half million dollars, and they really don't have a whole lot of say when it comes to commission commissioners. Um in the operation. So we'd like to move to kind of like a CEO with a board. The board would be comprised of, uh, you know, whether it's people on the, the crop commissions or, you know, to be determined with people in the industry and with a large, uh, uh, you know, a good percentage of them being actual farmers and, uh, and, and industry as well. We need, uh, you know, a good cross-reference there of of everybody involved in the industry, um, but we need some uh, definite, uh, you know, guidance and, and some uh, ability to adapt uh, to changes quicker. And Jim, uh, talk a little bit more about, about funding and, you know, what you would like to see there. Well, the funding is, uh, you know, especially for Western Canadian farmers, we, we export uh, to the world and uh, we're paying the majority of the share of the, the entire operation for the whole country because any grain that's shipped to the United States doesn't need uh, a certificate final, so there's no levy collected on that versus the levy is, you know, if it's shipped off the East Coast or the West Coast, that levy's tacked on there. And uh, we'd like to see, like, something... Um, more transparent so that farmers can actually see what service they're paying for. Um, we're also paying for a lot of the uh, public 
good, or I guess we're paying for all of the public good component uh, with the Grain Research Lab and, and things like that, and the protection of Canada's brand. And we feel that that, that portion, you know, should be paid for by the federal government uh, out of their out of their responsibility to this, um, you know, comparing to the United States, they they pay for about a third of the cost of their inspection services from their federal government, and and farmers pay the rest. So that's what we're kind of looking is uh, something. It's probably it's not that much. Probably ten cents a ton uh, would pay the cup pay the bill. That was Jim Wickett, a Saskatchewan director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers. The group has made a submission to the federal government regarding recommended changes to the Canada Grain Act. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. The chief market analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions is weighing in on the rise in egg market prices. Neil Townsend. We've got kind of a, the best of uh, both worlds. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of the crops that we particularly grow in Western Canada have seen strong prices throughout most of the marketing year. I mean, some of that has been frustrating with the dire lack of, uh, of containers for some of the smaller crops that like to travel through that. But basically, like, the, the bottom line is that, you know, until we have a better read on what U.S. corn or soybean yield might be, we're going to be supported from, you know, the big U.S. corn belt crops. The Western Canadian wheat growers have made a submission to the federal government regarding the recommended changes to the Canada Grain Act. One of the recommendations noted that outward weighing and inspection should be performed by third parties. Here's Saskatchewan Director Jim Wickett. I think that the Grain Commission should remain as a regulator, but not as a service provider. Industry right now, and there's a number of, quite a number of companies that uh, are in that business, uh, can provide the exact same service for one-third the cost. The Canada Grain Act was last updated in 1985, and the province has released its first crop report of the season. Cool soils have slowed the start to seeding throughout the middle of April. Most farms are planning on starting seeding this week. Provincial seeding progress sits at about 2% complete. That's on par with the four-year average. Conserving existing soil moisture remains top of mind for many farmers. The report indicates that winter cereal survival seems good across most regions. However, regrowth is limited due to cool soil conditions and a lack of available moisture. Fall rye has overwintered better than winter wheat. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, April 28th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Neil Townsend with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. The chief market analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions is weighing in on the rise in egg market prices. Here's Neil Townsend. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've got kind of uh, the best of uh, both worlds. Uh, You know, we've got a lot of the crops that we particularly grow in Western Canada have seen strong prices throughout most of the marketing year. I mean, some of that has been frustrating with the the, the, the dire lack of of containers for some of the smaller crops that like to travel through that. But basically, like, the the bottom line is that, you know, until we have a better read on what U.S. corn or soybean yield might be, we're going to be supported from, you know, the big U.S. corn belt crops. And uh, I think the U.S. is nervous. A, because they don't see enough acres being planted, uh, and B, just because, you know, the conditions are not optimal. Now, that doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're not optimal. And, again, I'm always a little worried when you have a big rally just in the planting sequence because 
more times than not, like 99 out of 100, you get the crop planted. And again, you know, uh, we don't know what the weather is going to be like in June, July, or August, but I would really focus farmers' attention on those three months. June for, um, you know, uh, a lot of the crops in Canada, July for the U.S. corn, and August for U.S. soybeans. And ultimately, you know, the price structure that we face in 21-22 is going to be dictated by those three months. That was Neil Townsend, Chief Market Analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions. With seeding underway across the prairies, Sask Power is reminding farmers and farmhands to look up and live. There are approximately 300 incidents a year of farming equipment colliding with power lines, which can result in serious injury or even death. Spokesperson for Sask Power, Scott McGregor, talked with Golden West's Blaze Wozniak about how these can be avoided and what to do if you come into contact with a power line or power pole. There's some steps uh, farmers and workers can take to avoid these kinds of incidents. Uh, what are some things that they can do? So definitely. Um, one one of the big things is always be prepared. You know, before you head out, if you know you have to move your your cedar or your sprayer from from you know, one field to another, or from the from the from the yard to another field, um, plan your route. You know, make sure that you know where the power lines are before you head out. Um, that way, it'll it'll help you. You know devise a plan to avoid coming to coming even coming close to power lines if, if at all possible um we recommend using a spotter especially when you're using large equipment you know sprayers and cedars they're they're, they're fairly big <laughs> air drills are, are bigger than they ever have been so if uh you know if, if possible definitely use a spotter it helps you get another set of eyes on the ground um if if at all possible you know if there are any bits of uh, equipment on your on your implement that can be uh, brought in or collapsed definitely do that before you before you start moving around around power lines um you know avoid and it's 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 hard to do but you know especially for farmers who work very very long hours you know if you can avoid uh working fatigued definitely do that you know take lots of breaks make sure that you're alert and aware behind the wheel of your machinery um and if you do have to dig for any reason i mean this, this doesn't really apply to to a lot of you know farming that happens right now if if there is any digging that needs to take place, um, visit saskfirstcall.com or uh, or or give you know give first call a phone a phone call just to make sure that you have lines marked so that you're not accidentally coming into contact with any buried cable. So if someone is driving and uh, does end up running into a power line, what should they do in regards to their own safety? Um, first thing you should do, um, if it's if it's safe to do so, you know, like right now, because it is fairly dry out there. If you if someone's knocked over a, a power line, there's a chance of a wildfire or a grass fire starting. Rather, um, if that's the case and you can't stay in your vehicle, then we recommend jumping out as far as you can away from your vehicle. Make sure that your your hands and your arms are tight to your body. Jump as far away as you possibly can and get a good distance away from the machinery. Uh, we recommend 10 meters, uh, about 33 feet or so. Uh, give us a call, 310-2220, or if it's an emergency, 911. Um, but if, if it is entirely possible and it's safe to do so, stay in your vehicle and give us a call. Um, you know, more often than not, there there won't be uh, a grass fire started from, from coming into contact with a power line. But you don't know uh, what could be electrified on the outside of your vehicle. So definitely give us a call, 310-2220 or 911 if it's an emergency, and we'll, uh, we'll get someone out there to make sure the area is safe. McGregor goes on to say that if you do come in contact with a power line or a power pole, that your own safety should be top of mind. Stay in your vehicle and call 310-2220. 
He wants everyone to be safe, look up and live, and take extreme care while working around power lines or power poles. For Golden West Radio, I'm Blaze Wozniak. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Tomorrow, join Keep It Clean and the Canada Grains Council for a webinar about crop protection products that may create market risk in 2021 and how your crop protection decisions can support market access for all. Go to the Manitoba Crop Alliance website for details. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, earlier this week, Golden West reporter Barry Lamb caught up with a farmer in the Balder area to find out how seeding is coming along. Here's Scott Pentel. Good. I mean, uh, we'll probably be actually wrapping up. All our barley's in. We'll be wrapping up the wheat here, I think, tomorrow, and then starting with our oats, and then uh, try and sit patiently and not put any canola in here for a while. So. And how have seeding conditions been? How is it for moisture and subsoil? How are things looking? Uh, there's enough moisture underneath here to get us started. Um, I don't know, it's ideal seeding conditions. No potholes to go around, that's for sure, but uh going to definitely need a good rain here after we're all done here. So, And with the forecast this week looking like uh, sunshine and up into the mid to high teens, uh, that that's kind of what producers are looking for right now, just to get that seed in the ground? Yeah, hopefully get our early uh, early seed stuff to pop out here. It's been in the ground here for three weeks already, and it's uh, slowly coming, needs some heat here, so... How badly is that moisture needed as well, or is it more needed after the emergence? Right now, well, in uh, once we decide to start sowing canola here in two weeks here, we'll definitely want some, because otherwise we're going to have to probably sow the canola a little too deep otherwise. So, And timing, this pretty normal for your farm, or are you a bit early, or where are you at? No, this is normal for us. This is, yeah, we're usually early here, so. That was Scott Pantel, a farmer in the Balder area. He was speaking with Golden West's Barry Lamb. I had a chance yesterday to chat with Warren McCutcheon, who farms near Carmen. Getting really ready to roll here now. Uh, you know, some warmer temperatures in the, in the forecast here, and May is approaching, so definitely, definitely getting close to go time. Uh, we actually did put some crop in the ground a few weeks ago before uh, a little bit of snow. I guess, the, you know, it's been so dry and take advantage of a little bit of moisture. We put some weed in early and, and uh, it seems to have germinated. It's pretty small, obviously, with the cold temperatures, but I think it was the right decision so far. How dry is it? And, you know, did that uh, snow have an impact? The snow helped a little bit. It uh, Unfortunately, it blew off in a lot of spots with the, with the howling winds and, you know, some fields with some stubble or, or sheltered areas. Um, you know, it helped a little bit for sure, but uh, definitely a rain event would be would be very welcome. The snow was it was nice, but not, wasn't a wasn't a game changer by any means. And it's definitely dry. It's uh, you know something that uh, you know, I haven't dealt with in my career being this dry. And you, you talk to uh, you know the older generation, and they, they talk about the '80s and things like that, where you know there was no subsurface moisture, and they talked about the droughts. And obviously, we're not we're not there yet, and we're hoping to uh, you know catch some timely rains and stuff here this spring. But it, it's definitely a concern. It, it's uh, it's a couple inches of moisture to plant already, and uh, you know subsurface moisture is, is uh, depleted too. So de- definitely a concern in the back of our mind here how to manage this. Talk a bit about uh, you know your seeding plans for this year. Um, any major changes? We're fairly consistent. Um, you know, just obviously with the running commodity prices here has has been a nice sign. I, I wish I had more crop to sell from last year, but hopefully we can take advantage of it this year uh, as new crop prices are already fairly strong. Um, 
yeah, it's hard to chase one or the other. Everything looks looks fairly solid. Um, we'll kind of have an even mix of of corn, uh, wheat, canola, uh, soybeans, and edible beans. Kind of very typical. Maybe maybe a few more corn acres, and maybe maybe a few less edible bean acres. So just if the price doesn't run up on those, and the and the risk reward, uh, you know, maybe maybe a few more canola and soybean acres. Uh, uh, you know, to uh, to break that rotation a little bit, we're usually a lot a lot of edible beans might back off that a little bit. Just a comment on on the markets and and the rising prices. Have a lot of farmers uh, are they taking advantage of this? Yeah, it's been challenging. It's been been a very frustrating marketing year. We 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 were sold you know fairly heavily throughout you know last summer and into the fall and, and kept picking away at, at old crop sales. Uh, kind of before stuff really started to go crazy, um, and you know we have a few few bushels left of, of some stuff here to sell, which is which is nice. Always you get more for it, right? But um, just with uh, kind of misdirection from the USDA for the last few years, and you know on stocks and crop sizes and things like that, it's been very frustrating that uh, you know a lot of the crop was sold uh, kind of with poor information. Looking back on it here now, um, and then this year looking forward, uh, the new crop prices are strong. They're not as good as old crop prices, so it's always hard to you know price in stuff, and then. Uh, the concerns of it being so dry right now, we're very cautious on new crop sales. Uh, you know, just uh, what we're going to get here. If, if we start to see some, some nice rains here this spring and get the crop out of the ground and growing, then uh, it would be really nice to take advantage of, you know, the $15, $16 canola and $8, $9 wheat, whatever's out there, you know, for new crop uh, bids. But at this point, it's, you know, we're just kind of hanging tight here, trying to get something to grow. That was Carmen Area Farmer Warren McCutcheon. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Western Canadian wheat growers have made a submission to the federal government regarding the recommended changes to the Canada Grain Act. One of the recommendations talked about changes to the grading system. Here's Director Jim Wickett. It's time for the technology uh, that's out there to get put into play. We need someone who's going to quarterback that. We need a focus, and uh, the CDC would be good at that. They need a push. The Canada Grain Act was last updated in 1985. The chief market analyst with FarmLink Marketing Solutions says, until we have a better read on what U.S. corn or soybean yield might be, we are going to be supported from the big U.S. corn belt crops. Neil Townsend. I think the U.S. is nervous, A, because they don't see enough acres being planted, and B, just because, you know, the conditions are not optimal. Now, that doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're not optimal. And again, I'm always a little worried when you have a big rally just in the planting sequence because more times than not, like 99 out of 100, you get the crop planted. And again, we don't know what the weather is going to be like in June, July, or August, but I would really focus farmers' attention on those three months, June for... um, a lot of the crops in Canada, July for the U.S. corn and August for U.S. soybeans. And ultimately, you know, the price structure that we face in 21-22 is going to be dictated by those three months. And the province has released its first crop report of the season. Cool soils have slowed the start to seeding throughout the middle of April. Most farms are planning on starting seeding this week. Provincial seeding progress sits at about 2% complete. That's on par with the four-year average for this time of year. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll look ahead to canola seeding. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.